This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Marking Out, Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 669, and uh, we thank you for listening to this online listening experience in podcast form. Several ways that you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook.com slash Marking Out, Twitter.com slash Marking Out, YouTube and Instagram slash marking out 11 uh we're on tiktok at marking out and you can email us at marking out one at gmail.com uh you can find our merchandise pro wrestling tees.com slash marking out uh we thank everybody for the black friday sale uh pr- purchasing shirts uh really appreciated uh that you know this podcast is going on for 14 years i think 13. and uh you know people are still supporting and buying shirts we we love you guys um you i said you can email us um, those are my birds, Hades and Ollie's. They're going to be here for the time being, guys. Um, and I'm Chris, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, at no, at Twitter at, C, at Chris Sweendog. I'm also here with Dave. You could follow on Twitter at David PTDPT. David, how are you? I am doing fantastic. I cannot wait to discuss the big topic. I know. I I can't I can't hold it in any longer, and neither can this man, our social media ambassador, Brandon. You can follow him on Twitter and all social media platforms at bttg161. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing awesome as always. I feel like the the biggest topic, of course, is Thanksgiving last week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I had a outstanding. Thanksgiving weekend. What about yourself, gentlemen? Yeah. Discuss. I I agree. It was outstanding for uh, Thanksgiving. I ended up driving to New Jersey, which was actually better than expected. I was really anticipating a lot of traffic, heavy traffic, but we really didn't hit that much traffic heading there. Heading home, a little traffic on the GW, but nothing too bad. But, I mean, one of the big highlights was also Friendsgiving over at Chris and Rachel's. Thank you so much for hosting us. It was unbelievable to just get... Everybody together under the same roof, and it just it feels like home when we're, whenever we're together doing stuff like that. It feels very homey. Yeah, we had an outstanding Friendsgiving. Um, I made one hell of a turkey. Yes, delicious turkey. I know, and I had I had Dan sitting there trying to mooch off of it the entire time as I'm slicing it up. <laughs> did you um, did you but, stuff the turkey or? Well, I brined the turkey in, and this goes into my. I'm just going to start off like this is like my whole week was just. It was the best weekend I've ever I've had in a very very long time, um, as many of you know because you've heard me very infrequently on this podcast. My life has been incumbent, is that, that if that's the right word, with work, um, and you know I work in sports media. And this pad like last weekend, the weekend before Thanksgiving was like the end of like the big football season. There's a couple like small here's and there's that we got to take care of, um, but all that work kind of just came to a, a halt. So. The stars aligned, and I had the most unbelievable Thanksgiving weekend. I'll start off, of course, I said that we still have a couple small jobs here and there to, to pull up. One of those is like the, the Senior Bowl. So all the Nassau County kids, they get a Senior Bowl. We put a broadcast on for it. it, it people watch it and pay for it. it it's outstanding. Um, and then my Thanksgiving was at my mom's house. We had a great meal with everybody hanging out. Um, drank a bunch of old fashions, which was fantastic. <laughs> 
Um, and then Friday, I went into Brooklyn to the – and I, I, I plugged the show last time I was on this podcast. I uh, good friend of the show, Anthony Richard Young Capozzi, uh, his band Lost Becomes, played at St. Vitus, uh, which is like the underground – like it's a very famous underground bar for like metal and rock music and all that, things like that. Like, um, So I saw him. I saw Lost Becomes. Uh, but then I saw other friends of mine, God's Eyes, who played – who were unbelievable as well. Um, I saw this band called Jellyfish Jam, um, and the two it was they were all in full gimmicks. Like it was outstanding. They had like these little they played like metal music, like screamy, angry metal music, and then they had these like dresses on that made them look like jellyfishes. And the one guitar player is wearing a Hawaiian shirt and he's trying to talk like SpongeBob the entire time. Um, and then one point they're like, "Okay, everybody." We need you to take these pool noodles. So they bring out like 10 to 15 pool noodles. And then they they have everybody start slamming them on the ground while they're playing like breakdown music. (laughs) And then the next song, they start using these pool noodles in the pit. Like they're swinging them like when they're swinging their arms or like spin kicking. They're like using them with swords and stuff like that. I'm like, man, has mosh pitting jumped the shark? Yeah, that's – you sent me a video of that. And that's just like wild to see that they're using a – the floaties, the foams in the mosh pit. It was, it was, I was like, I sat there with like my a mouth agape during their entire set. I was like, oh my God. But, yeah. It, it uh, seemed great. very memorable though. Yes, it was. It was. And seeing my, and my friend's band's, my God's eyes, they had, they had started a tour the next day. So they were going from Brooklyn to Indianapolis driving overnight. Wow. Clash. Yeah, I know. But then they started tour. They're on tour. They're in Texas right now. Go check them out. God's eyes. Um, and then Saturday was Thanksgiving, uh, Friendsgiving here at the house, and we had an unbelievable time. Um, food was good, company was good. Watching old Survivor series and yeah, just, Survivor series ninety three. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, and then Sunday was rest, recovery, get ready for the week. And my stepfather's company had their annual holiday dinner, uh, which was great. It was at Seasons fifty two. I really enjoyed the food there uh, and the atmosphere. Um, they could have put a less less simple syrup in their old fashions, but I digress. <laughs> um, but good food and a fantastic weekend. And we got a lot of great wrestling this weekend, too, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But, Brandon, yourself, how was your Thanksgiving? What kind of pies did you make? I did, did you I go to Cheesecake make, Factory? No, I don't make pies at all, but uh, I did go to Cheesecake Factory. Not we, did have a lot of, but, we did have a lot of pies at Friendsgiving, too. But, uh, we did. I, if you listened last week, I, I mentioned how I made – the stuffing and green bean casserole from scratch, including the mushroom soup that would go in the green bean casserole. I definitely could have blanched the green beans a little bit longer, but I don't mind them being under because it's like crispy and crunchy. Yeah, and especially when you cook it too, they'll like kind of soak up some of that moisture as well. Yeah. And that'll cook it as well. And I probably could have used more mushroom soup, but I still, I like it. Or maybe I needed less green beans. That might have been probably more so can never have too many green beans my favorite vegetable but uh i I, I think also my stuffing i think needed a bit more chicken stock before cooking but people seem to enjoy it so i guess that's more of what matters rather than whether or not i enjoyed it (laughs) i'm not to say i didn't like it because stuffing i think that's like if if i had to choose one thing to eat on, on thanksgiving and one thing only it'd be stuffing yeah, I, I agree with you on that. So, and there was I also don't know. I'm, really I'm nice, going with the uh, cornbread pudding. Nah, that's, that's oh, the cornbread casserole that Rachel gross. made? Oh, great. dude, yes, the cornbread casserole. That, yeah, that's what I mean, the cornbread casserole. I could eat that all day. 
I know you're like, for some reason, you're obsessed with that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. There was a a nice sunset that night for Thanksgiving, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, because it got, like, less windy as the night progressed. And then on Sunday, uh, I think, was it Sunday? I think Sunday, I went to go see the Marvels. Oh, yeah, I heard it wasn't that great. I really liked it. And I think Miss Marvel is such, like, a fun character because, like, Kamala is a mark. Yeah, so, to me, to me, uh, she's the female version of Peter Parker in um, in character wise. You know, I don't just I in, think it's even more than that though, because mm-hmm. Peter Parker's room does Peter Parker have like posters of Iron Man and stuff all over his room? I feel like yes, I I'm think he sure. did. But she's I don't like remember. she's she's that big of a mark that I can understand when she's marking out over things because we we as a group do stuff like that. So yeah. I could very much so appreciate that character. And she's just a fun character overall. And I can't wait to watch whatever happens next with it. The, the mid credit scene made me like mark the absolute hell out. And I, I don't, I'm glad I didn't get spoiled for that. I, I still don't know if it's okay to talk about. So no, I, it's not. So yeah. I would I, say no, a hundred percent. I would say 100% go see the Marvels. I yeah. thought it was a fun movie. Oh, so I have to go back now to my turkey. So because I said everything would just kind of work itself out. So um, Anthony's guitar player is – he is a, a chef here in the New York City area. His name is Chef Brian Sow. Uh, he's ran a bunch of like big restaurants. He owns Mission Sandwich Social in Brooklyn. Um, and he had this like YouTube series. Like, he, well, he still has it, but it was called like Sandwich Sunday, where he would make like an extravagant sandwich. Uh, he'd have like you know musicians come over, and he'd make a sandwich for them. It was very cool. So like one episode that he did was making a Thanksgiving leftover sandwich, and he was talking about the make. He made a turkey, and he showed his like recipe to brine it in. So I used that recipe to brine it. Um, the funnier thing was I saw them on Friday where, when I put my turkey in said Brian. So I looked at Brian for the first, I, I, you know, first time meeting him. Very nice guy. And he, I said to him, I was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, um, I have a turkey at my house right now, brining in your recipe from sandwich Sunday. And he was like, this guy's an OG guy right here. Awesome. Good <laughs> stuff. Uh, it was very cool. And, uh, go check out, uh, chef Brian Sal's, uh, YouTube channel. It's really awesome. If you like cooking, we like cooking here at Marking Out, so uh, I approve it. And we've made cooking videos that'll never happen ever again because Brandon takes me out of my it's own bumper. That's not even true. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I definitely, definitely want to check out this uh, sandwich of the week club. Yeah, I gotta absolutely. join in and follow him. For sure, for sure. But anyway, uh, while Friendsgiving was going on Saturday, we had a wrestling pay per view, and maybe one of the most, the most social wrestling pay-per-view sports entertainment pay-per-view ple whatever you want to call it happened uh and that was survivor series uh and there's a lot to unfold here i don't know if we start off with the biggest news or we go the brands in chronological order way um it's up to you guys you guys lead it i mean if you're listening you know cm punk returned yes okay so boom (laughs) there there we go let's get let's get uh, cm punk after 10 years of not being in the WWE, uh, talking very out loud about the things that were done wrong in this company, making fun of this company within the past calendar year, 
um, and ma- taking a lot of shots at him, has returned to the same company. Also, that making he left fun of the company ten- while he was on TV for the company when he was doing stuff not being paid by the company. Yeah, that too. Like, it's after, you know, at the end of a, what was I thought was a fantastic War Games match, great ending. Um, they hit the, the trademark, lower third there, copyright 2023 WWE, and then uh, the newly remastered version of Cult of Personality plays, and CM Punk comes out to a raucous and Chicago crowd. And it's funny, because when they uh, did the Okada, like, zoom out to show the crowd, I was, like, thinking to myself, like, damn, this would be really cool to see right now if it actually happened, and then it happened. Yeah, I know, it sure did happen, pal. I yelled out a bunch um, of expletives. Uh, so did I. <laughs> I wasn't. So I uh, wasn't one of the reactions chosen to be aired on Monday Night Raw. I mean, it doesn't exist. But what doesn't exist? <laughs> me, a video of me reacting to CM Punk's return. <laughs> it doesn't, or it does? No, it does not. I reacted okay, to no. a bunch of those reactions, though. I thought it was really funny that they did that. Okay, but anyway, CM Punk is back in the WWE. What are your thoughts on all this, gentlemen? Um, Brandon, let's start off with you. He's I mean, he's going to have to win me over big time. Okay. That, I mean, cool. he was, it was cool when he showed up in AEW and then pretty quickly it was like, oh, I'm kind of sick and tired of CM Punk. His matches were still pretty good for the most part. He was obviously slower, but there was just that thing whole, like the whole thing surrounding CM Punk was just, I, I'm not a fan of it. How yeah. everything went down. And it's not just him, it's both sides, both parties. I mean, so for me, I don't like what happened at AEW as I don't think anybody in as a pro wrestling fan, I don't think anybody really did cuz it really distracts you from what the focus should be on and what you want to focus on. So, I'm very hesitant, I'll say. I don't want any of that stuff to happen in WWE backstage as I don't want it to happen in AEW. I want focus on the product. So I am very open. So that being said, I'm very open to him returning to WWE. Uh, the reception was incredible. I mean, right away, I grabbed Chris's arm. Like, you did? Like, Chris, I, I don't even know if that Chris was... his arm. Uh, we were sitting next to each other. I don't know if Chris was looking at the TV, but once it hit, I, like, grabbed his arm to, like, get his attention. Yeah. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, I definitely marked out for it. I knew for a fact that even how annoyed I was with what went on, that I was going to have that sort of reaction because I knew that that was going to happen. I had the same reaction in AEW when he came back. Um, I know his run with AEW wasn't the greatest. I know that he may have slowed down a bit. The matches weren't. I mean, he also got injured. Yeah, that too. He really got injured a lot. Um, so and, and by I, the way, he is right now still currently the quote unquote real AEW champion. So, you know, I, so I do, I am, I have, I need to be won over a bit. I don't I think wanna, you do. I really don't think you need to be won well, over. You are a hundred percent on board. A hundred percent. Well, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm, I am on board, but I do want to be won over by his in-ring ability. And I also want to be won over that he's going to last. I don't want CM Punk to return and then be injured for half a year. Mm. You know? But I'm definitely happy that he's back with the well, WWE. And, hopefully he you know, we'll talk about his promo, but it seems like it's 
closure. Everybody deserves and needs closure at times, so I'm happy for everybody all around. I thought it was pretty cool that I thought it was cool that uh, how Triple H took the reins of everything within the last like two minutes of the production crew apparently. So this way it was kept like really on the DL. Yeah. Um, I'm impartial about this whole thing. Um, I thought him coming back at AEW was great. Um, he said a lot of things that I feel like his promo in WWE was the exact opposite of what his intentions were in AEW. Um, and I mean, I, we all want to see, I mean, I think it's just, it's, this is going to lead up to a Roman versus CM Punk at some sort of WrestleMania. I don't think so. I, I, I think, I think so, but, um, that does, to me, it wouldn't make sense because it's Cody. I know what I know. It wouldn't make sense, and it, it would be a total detriment to Cody Rhodes, which I think all of us want to see. Yeah. You know, he's he's the babyface. He's the the, the top babyface in, in WWE. I think it's but, like, it's a very clear path right now for Seth Rollins. I just feel like this guy talked so much trash. Like I know, like the Warriors spoke in trash, and Bret Hart spoke in, spoke trash and stuff like that. But this guy, like this guy had a lawsuit with the the head doctor at WWE like what are they, what are they going to do now like and he still works there too and he, and he still works there so what are they going to have to break like like and it just makes me feel like CM Punk got fired because he couldn't whatever well at AEW whatever happened there see CM Punk was just not a good fit for there now he just is going with his tail between his legs and what I want a job in wrestling again. You know you could hire me. I'll draw you a lot of money. So it's more like it's a business thing rather than it is I'm so happy to be home. You know, I just I don't think this is CM Punk. I think this is more of a Phil Brooks thing. Mm-hmm. You know? So I mean, I'm I don't think it's not see- like I don't think he's not happy to be there though. It's a, a completely different regime. I know, and that and that was one poignant thing that I po- that pointed out with Triple H's press conference. He said some very like very poignant things. He goes, "I'm a different person." He goes, "This company is a different company." He goes, "If you have not changed within ten years, you're doing something wrong." That uh, that by the way hurt to hear because I'm. Still the person I was ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, you're more fickle when it comes to wrestling. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I'm excited, but I'm hesitant on this whole thing. Yeah, like he's gonna be a 100 percent part timer. You know, it's not like he's going to be doing the house shows. You think he's doing the entire Christmas loop? No, he's not. Well, I you don't want to just rule that out yet. I don't want to rule it out either. Like Some people are like, oh, should CM Punk's first match be at WrestleMania? And I really don't think that. I don't think it will be. I don't be. think that's a thing. Yeah, and I now don't... there's also those rumors that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, they think, can be persuaded to face CM Punk. So oh, that's God. that's the thing. Like, I mean, Chris, I definitely agree with you with all of the stuff that he has said. Um, but I also think a lot of the things he said was said with emotion and as we all know in life, like we say, we could say the cruelest and things wet pure, pure out of emotion at times, especially if we're put in a spotlight as pro wrestlers are. And so I feel like 
I do give I do think that he was speaking from the heart when he did speak in AEW about WWE and stuff like that. Um, I do think some of it is also it could we never know it could just be also to get the attention of the crowd, the ratings because everybody knows that when you go to another company, you oh we want to hear that trash talking. That's Tell exactly us about what him. RJ City tried to get Edge to do, and Edge is like nah. Yeah, like I want to know why did you not like AEW? Why did you not like WWE? Tell me who you want to bash. And so I, it could be also a draw reason to listen and watch. I mean, we've had people in the past, as you mentioned, Bret Hart. You had uh, Hulk Hogan. I mean, Hulk Hogan had a, was in the steroid lawsuit with Vince McMahon. I mean, you know? even Stone Cold walked out. Yeah, Stone. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, I feel like everybody has to learn from what take, took place in the past. Stone Cold walked away because he didn't want to drop the title to Brock Lesnar. I mean, so CM Punk leaving wasn't really not anything new to us, um, but I think that it's it's good that he's back because it does give that full circle thing. I do think that his what he did say on Monday Night Raw. I do believe some of it though. The real test is going to be Saudi Arabia. Oh my God, that's because... that's the one thing because that that whole tweet was circulating. <laughs> Yes. He said some really, really bad things in regards to that. Like, so awful. I, yeah. So we won't repeat them on the show. But, no. I, um, o- overall, I think the three of us, no matter which way you want to look at it, I think the three of us are excited to see what the potential, what it could happen, though, right? I'm more excited for Edge and Christian facing off on Dynamite than I am any sort of CM Punk match because, like, the whole AEW thing and me being more of an AEW fan than mm-hmm. I am a WWE fan these days, it left a very sour taste in my mouth. So I, it's like, what we just saw over the past two years, is he going to pull this stuff again? I totally, I, I can totally respect that. I totally understand where you're coming from with that. But like, you know, yeah. he's one of the, but he's one of the all-time greats. He's a very polarizing figure in professional wrestling, and he's a draw. Like, yeah. y- you can't say that CM Punk is not a draw. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I we'll totally... He's one of the best people on the mic, too. I mean, it, it now we get a lot of these matches, like Brandon just mentioned, Stoke Cold Steve Austin, maybe. Or, I mean, Seth Rollins looks like it's going to be happening. Um, there's so many potential matches out there where I'm very excited to, but let's see let's see what happens. I, I yes, think the absolutely. another important thing for me would be if they brought back Southpaw Regional Wrestling and... Somehow Ricky Rabies continued his character and uh, <laughs> maybe debuted or returned for. I mean, I know talking he was about never returns, part of that cast, but who knows? Maybe we'll get a return of AJ Lee now. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh my God! Should they mention her on a uh, thing confirmed? Yeah. No, that was the first time that they've been able to even say her WWE ring name. Yeah, for sure. You know, as long as every as long as everybody's happy. Like outside of the fans, I mean, like personally, yeah. <laughs> CM Punk, AJ Lee, Triple H, if these Screw people the are like, are actually happy with what took place and they're getting closure on whatever relationships they've had, hey, have at it. I mean, it's funny to see all like the the reaction tweets where it's like people dig up tweets Brandon, from months ago. How much ago. time? How much time this week have you spent just watching reaction videos of CM Punk? Returning? No, not not. Not at all. It, that was the night of. How many TikToks? The I'm, night I'm gonna, of on I'm TikTok gonna, was I'm all la- those reaction streamers. And then I think like immediately after or whatever, I, I recorded a video. I'm like, that 
is hilarious to see all them like mark out over it. And then WWE <laughs> used all those videos on on Monday Night Raw for it. So yeah, probably without anybody's consent. So I'm laughing yeah, over here so because all, but... I'm laughing over here because Brandon says he didn't, but I totally did. I totally I did, Dave. I was right next to you. Yeah, Which, but I, I mean, don't but even I, when you but say, I, "Oh, he's gonna need to win me back," you he has you. Yeah, I know, I know, and I hated. I said the same thing with AEW. You know, I said the same thing. I'm a repeat record, but um, I did go and watch the reaction videos of people in the live crowd to see him punk coming out and stuff like that. And I even watched it where they had like zoom outs of the crowd around, like people standing around, just because I was curious how every single person in the crowd was reacting. And every time I watch, I even watched one earlier this morning of a new angle. <laughs> you still watch them? Yeah, like the new angle, and I'm such a mark. And it had once that once the clip of once the cult of personality hits and everything with the radios, and I'm like, I don't, I'm just such a mark. I love it. I, I love pro wrestling, and this is what I love about pro wrestling. I love that it was totally kept a secret. I love yeah, watching. Yeah, you don't get that much these days. Yeah, Back I love in my day. Like this is this is authentic. This like this is authentic reactions of shock and surprise of something that we didn't think was going to happen. At least that not that night because we had the copyright go up. It you know. So I yeah. I love it. It just reminds me as to why I love this so much. Yeah. Absolutely. If you so, if you only... go and pull up my text message chain to Dave when CM Punk returns, <laughs> there's one, two, three, four, five, a long one, six, seven, seven F words. <laughs> <laughs> From you or me? From you? From me. Could yeah. that just be the picture of the week? No. <laughs> we could. Because I, I, I genuinely, I was, I, like, just obviously. Just it to Bob Backlund? It's cool. I, it's just, I... It's going to take winning over, so. Yeah. That's fine, absolutely. And so I'm the same way. I'm the same way. But you can't there, not say that he's a great performer and he's a draw, so. Yeah, there is something with the with the promo I do want to talk about, but we can talk about that when we get onto the Monday Night Raw promo. All right. So, All right, so let's, let's get on to series. Monday Night Raw. Yeah, Survivor, Survivor Series yeah. kicked off with Team Bianca, even though, I mean, it really should have been Team Becky at that point. Picking up the victory over damage control in war games. We learned on the kickoff show that Bianca Belair's team had the advantage via Ruffles Chips vote, which I think was an obvious thing that was going to happen given that it was a fan vote. And an obvious thing, but also they brought it up on Busted Open, but also the first time where in a war games match, the face actually had the advantage at the beginning. Usually it's the heel team that... You have the face being beaten up by two heels, and then you have this big save moment. That but sound for the first right. time, you're having two faces start off, uh, get the advantage. I like that damage control all wore those masks for their entrance. Yeah, it was cool. It was a nice uh, unity. I was kind of disappointed. We saw Becky Lynch and Bailey start the match. We saw Dakota Kai show up and help Bailey break up a submission with a kendo stick, which I enjoyed that part. But I was really. I was hoping that Charlotte was going to be in the ring next because I was, I thought it'd be cool if like three of the four horsewomen were in the ring at the same time. Uh-huh. But Shotzi ended up being the one who was out next. She brought out a bunch of chairs, the garbage can Bianca Belair came in and I ultimately, I had the feeling that Charlotte was going to be last. So, which she was, Mm-hmm. But Bianca Belair having the two braids to use as weapons, I thought was cool. Yeah, I I like their 
uh, every time that they would go under the ring, the crowd would just get so hot and hope for the table, and then you finally yeah. get the table getting pulled out. Um, my favorite spot of the night was EO with the trash can. The tr- oh, I, yeah. I thought you. I thought you said no. EO, EO with the trash head. can, but I also think that it's genius the way that they set that up. Instead of having EO have to climb up there <laughs> with the garbage can or have somebody throw toss it up there and the good old uh, dumbwaiter. It's great. Yeah, yeah. They just tied it to a little uh, chain and she pulled up the chain to get the uh, garbage can up there. I thought that that was genius. Yeah, genius. and it's it's definitely Bye. a spot that we've seen EO do before, just not with the. The pulley system, I guess. Yeah, the pulley system really. Not that it was added a pulley. I don't it. want to say that, but it saved t- saved a, a lot of time too. Instead of somebody trying to toss a trash can up to her. Yeah, and True. we saw that the spot that that Shotzi did that she's crazy for. EO obviously did that spot because I think she's crazy. Uh, we did get a stare down between Charlotte and Becky at one point. So there was still that question, will they be able to, I guess, coexist? Yeah, but then we got the hug it out moment. Yeah, and I liked that the crowd, you said, were chanting a lot for tables, and they went nuts when Asuka went under the ring. And I think at first, did they tease it that she wasn't bringing it in? I think so. Or was that somebody else? I mean, that might have been They, Kyrie they, te- they teased did. it a lot. They teased it a lot. But they went nuts when Asuka actually brought the tables in and she brought kendo sticks in, which they booed fire- for. This was the one with the fire extinguisher, right? Um, I feel like yes. For? For the women's. I think, I think they got the fire extinguisher involved. I'm not sure. Yes, yes, yes. I think it was because they did it to... Um, Asuka, I want to say. I think Bianca did it to Asuka. Was it to counter the mist? Yeah, yeah, because of the mist. It was like her own mist. I think she used the fire extinguisher. Also, Charlotte doing that moonsault thing off the cage was crazy. That she totally overshot. Yeah, landed on EO's head. Did you see the marks on EO's head from that? I know. That looked dangerous, but... uh, Entertaining, uh, Entertaining match. Yeah, so yes, very Becky and Charlotte end up putting EO and Asuka in submissions, and then I liked Kyrie and Bailey both breaking it up with their elbow drops. Uh, but ultimately, Becky Lynch locked Kyrie in a submission, and Bailey ended up eating that. Oh, I forget what it's spear. called. Yeah, but it's not a spear. What is it called? I forget what she calls it. Gore. No, she ate it from uh, from Kyrie Sane, and then everyone else hit their finishers, including which that was, man. Which was a slam. pretty big spot that that Bailey took the spear from her. Yeah, I want to say you know, she ba- Bailey Bailey making the save, the sacrificing herself for that because I mean, going into this, you also didn't know the allegiance. Every what I liked about all of this entire card was you never like you had so many different built in storylines to each team as well. You had Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Will they coexist? But then on the other side, you have everything going on with Bailey and Io Sky, where you don't know if maybe they could turn on Bailey. Right. It you is know, the but, interceptor, by the way. Yeah. But uh, Bailey had the manhandle slam hit on her from Becky Lynch through the table, and that's how they won. Yeah. Next up, I really, you had a I really backs- would have liked for Damage Control to win that, though. Yeah, I agree. Same here. But next up, you had a backstage segment featuring Chelsea Green, Paper Niven, Alpha Academy, and Pretty Deadly with uh, Ruffles. 
Yeah, and, was, um, and I like they were arguing. It was obviously an ad for Ruffles. Yeah. But they were arguing about whether or not it was crisps or chips, which I thought was funny. But the biggest return of the night, no offense to Randy Orton, our <laughs> <laughs> truth returned. And I, I popped big time for that. I thought that was such a great placement for him. And uh, it's awesome to have our truth back. Yeah. Definitely pop for that. But I really want Ruffles, those sour cream and cheddar chips or whatever, or cheddar and oh, sour the best. cream, whatever they're called. So the good. goats. Those the goats great. and potato chips. Uh, after that, we saw Gunter pick up the victory over The Miz to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Something that, uh, I don't know if this is new regime or what, Michael Cole was able to mention that Chris Jericho is the nine-time Intercontinental Champion. And if Miz was to win, he would be tying Chris Jericho's record. Wow. That's, to me, not something we've seen recently at all. I, well, you know what? Like, you have to, regardless of what Chris Jericho and his affiliation is right now, you have to always acknowledge him. He's one of the freaking best, right, but man. that's not something they were doing, like, two months ago. So I know. Well, you know, also, TKO's I, I still, changing I would things. love to know that the thing last year when they, they were celebrating John Cena and they had Big Show, Brian Danielson, and Chris Jericho do those videos, I would still like to know how they... What was the exchange there? <laughs> but Man. I, as far as this match goes, I like that the Miz was able to get in as much as he did to make him actually look like a contender. I, so, but like, I, you know, he's never, he's not a contender. There's nobody in the WWE right now that could be a contender for Gunther. I disagree I, though. That match no. was, was a hundred percent puts Miz up there. I mean, Miz, I but, think is already up there. We just, yeah, you don't, don't talk Miz doesn't it. need to be up more. <laughs> yeah. They're, if there's somebody that's going to defeat Gun- uh, Gunter, I don't want it to be Miz. I wouldn't mind if it was the Miz, but Almost. again, I still want it to be Sheamus. But the Miz ended up pulling the turnbuckle pad off, and he I kicked mean, Gunter, uh, low blowed him, and yeah. hit the skull crushing finale. Fans were going nuts here, and yeah, and oh yeah, Gunter, I mean, you Gunter didn't know if out. the Miz was going to get it right there. Yeah, and, and he kicked out, and the fans were so behind the Miz, they chanted for another one. But Gunter locked him in that sleeper, and Miz sent him into that exposed turnbuckle, and like all that whole like chain of of moves there, I thought was like all of it. I thought was so crazy. But Gunter hits a splash on the Miz's back, and then locked Miz in a Boston Crab, and then Miz tapped to a Lion Tamer. I didn't expect him to tap to a lion tamer out of everything. And maybe that ties into Chris Jericho being nine yeah. time intercontinental champion. That is interesting now that you because I didn't I didn't hear the Chris Jericho fact, so it's interesting that that is the way that uh the match ended with that. Right. Um I was kinda disappointed. I don't think we got a solid uh Gunther Gunther chop during that match. No. We you know that was the one, and thing I feel like was... they were leading up for it a bunch of times too. Yeah, um, yeah. So it seemed like they kept on leading up to it, but we never actually got like a full fledged chop across his chest to the Miz. But, but maybe they're they're seems like they're going to run it back, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Next up, you had Santos Escobar pick up the victory over Dragon Lee. Um, this match was fast paced and very enjoyable. Escobar nearly ripping Dragon Lee's mask right off his face. Him? You know what this reminds me of? I'm sorry to cut you off, Brandon. But you know what this reminds me of? 
early W, like 1996-1997 WCW, where they're having these like big time matches throughout the event, and then they throw like a sick cruiserweight luchador match in there, and that's what this match was. Yeah, it was awesome. And, Again, uh, this could be a new regime thing. Escobar, Escobar tried to do the same thing that he did to Rey Mysterio's leg with the the steps, but him literally dragging Dragon Lee by the mask, I thought was crazy. I was getting I was getting nervous because I'm like, oh no, are they going to actually rip off his mask right now? They only do that in AEW, so yeah, I was starting to get like nervous with the mask ripping. But the um, ending, uh, I feel like, came kind of out of nowhere. I was hoping for more, I guess. But Santos Escobar hit that destroyer and then the Phantom Driver to pick up the victory. But I, I think regardless of Dragon Lee losing, I think both of them came out looking stronger in this. Yeah, I'm agreed. After that, we saw Rhea Ripley pick up the victory over Zoe Stark to retain the championship, which was... I almost want to say more aggressive than Miz and Gunter was. Oh, well, I, can agree I, with that. I would agree with that. But I feel like um, this match would be something that people would sleep on. And I feel like many people did. Yeah, I think that um, I think it was a good match. I don't think it was too long of a match either. I think it did the it did the job. Yeah, and I think just like the last match, both of them came out looking stronger from this. Yeah. So But where sure. do you go now but where do you go now with Dragon Lee? Like Well, I mean that's the same thing. Where do you go with Zoe Stark? Oh, sorry, I, I was on the I was on the panel. No, you're, yeah, you're, where do you go with where do you go with Zoe Stark? You're, you're it's, good the same, with, it's the same yeah, exact thing. Dragon Lee, it seems like he could just join the LWO. Yeah, you're you good. Could. You're good with even with But both I of feel those. like with Rey Mysterio out What's the point? There's like no LWO right now. Well, There's no point for them well, we, until Rey Mysterio comes back. I, I don't know if that's necessarily true though. Because yeah. where does like Santos go then? There's no There's no more shock on Saturday night anymore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but where does um, Santos Escobar? What's he gonna do? Nothing. Yeah, they're just gonna bring him up every like once every couple of weeks. Be like, yeah, Santos Escobar did this bad thing. Have him cut a promo and that's it. And then like highlight him. I, I yeah. think that's all you can, can really do him. right now until Rey Mysterio comes back. I think we'll see him ending up in a. a his own team with Los Lotharios. I don't think I want to Los see Los Lotharios, Escobar... by the way. They we said this I think when the LWO reformed. They have a gripe. A, a legitimate gripe to be like, hey, why were why weren't we included when our relative was in the first version of this group? Founding member. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. Santos could join up with Los Lotharios, I think that'd be a cool thing because then you have uh, I guess Carlito and then Joaquin Wild and Cruz del Toro or Dragon True. Lee. I would kind of, I would say no to this just because I would rather see them develop more in NXT and also expand the tag team division in NXT. Well, and do more pile drivers. Clearly that's not happening, so. Uh-huh. Back to Rhea Ripley's always Starks, too. Um, yes. It's like, it was, a good, was it a good match? It was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But no one's beating Rhea Ripley. No, I, I don't. No I, one. I, I flat out don't want anybody to beat Rhea Ripley right now. I do. Why? And I, and one person, when she cashes in her Money in the Bank briefcase that she wins next year at SummerSlam against Rhea Ripley, Chelsea, Mother F and Green. All right. She she will she will dethrone. She's one of the best things in WWE right now. Her character, her persona, what they're doing with the tag team titles. Um, and you can only go so far with that. So afterwards, just put Money in the Bank on her. It'll be outstanding. Hmm. 
to think how entertained she is now. Imagine her with the money in the bank briefcase. <sighs> Hilarious. But yeah, so no one's no one's really beating Rhea Ripley right now. She looked awesome. Had great uh, great uh, gear, makeup. I don't know what what horror film that was uh, supposed to be it used with. Like uh, Luna and Sensational Sherry, but I'm not sure. <sighs> Ah, there we go. Wrong, but that's what. But that that does make sense. I mean, previously she was uh, paying homage to uh, China China with her gear, so it's very possible. Yeah, smart, love it. Throughout the night, though, Team Cody was quite worried that Randy Orton was not there yet, and Cody's like, "Trust me." Which is uh, which was great because it totally played up the entire. Can CM Punk actually... Can it be CM I, Punk on this team? I still think it would have been dumb if it was CM Punk because oh, yeah, it's Randy but, Orton. Of course, but they, but they played it up. to the Like, you thought that when they announced that Randy Orton was the fifth person that that was going to be, like, done. But then the fact that they said he's not here yet, it leaves a question mark as to, okay, maybe it will be somebody else. That also led to everybody thinking Nakamura somehow had a... Uh, an open challenge book for Survivor Series where it'd be CM Punk. Yeah. But Team Cody picked up the victory over the Judgment Day and War Games. I like that Drew McIntyre and Damian Priest had the stare down before the match just to like, Drew McIntyre is like, well, I definitely want to start this match. I want to be in there kicking Jey Uso's ass. And Damian Priest is just like staring, no, I'm the leader. Yeah, and he's also like, stick to the plan. And even as the match began, Randy Orton did not start. He was not there. And we started the match off with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, starting off pretty hot with that suicide dive. Yeah, they they really gave each other hell in that match. And then uh, the Judgment Day, they, they won that match last week, so they had the upper hand. J.D. McDonough joined. He brought in that the, the kendo sticks. I think it's cool to see him two-on-one in that scenario working with Finn Balor. Mm. Then we saw Jey Uso. He brought the chair in. I liked the crowd. Also, during the entrance when he got up on the cage and everyone's doing the yeet thing or whatever. Yeah. I thought that was cool. But then when Jay got in the match and he's doing all his punches and stuff, everyone was, was yelling yeet after each punch. I thought that was cool. but Yeah, totally over. And then... Again, we had that conflict between Drew McIntyre and Damian Priest where once Jey Uso joined, he went to go in, but Damian Priest stopped him. And he just told him, stick to the plan. We don't know the plan, obviously. The Judgment Day knew what the quote-unquote plan was. And then we saw Sami Zayn run out to make the save for, for Jey Uso. He grabbed a table. Obviously, the fans are going nuts. McIntyre finally enters and he went out for Jey Uso. So we got to see that that interaction between Drew McIntyre and Jey Uso. Sami Zayn, though, teaming up with Jey Uso, picked up that, that 1D over Drew. Yeah. And then Cody was out next. I like that. I think it was Michael Cole spoke about Dusty Rhodes. This was his father's invention, his, his father's creation. He mentioned without actually mentioning all in because Cody made history in that building or the city. I think it was, I'm not sure if it was the same building. It was, probably was though where all in one was held. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, Cody busted out that bull rope and you thought maybe that him and Seth Rollins weren't going to be able to get along. And they used it together. Yeah, once again, more storylines taking place within this matchup of their own team. And then, of course, Dominic came out to the loudest booze. I thought that was fun. And I liked he went for the three amigos and he realized that he was surrounded by Team Cody and the place just went nuts when they all jumped him. They were at the United Center? So is it not the same? No, they. so where was Survivor Series? I don't know. I think the United Center. Allstate Okay, Arena? this was at the Sears, the Sears Center Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. So it, he does have a history and a lineage in the city. Right. But I don't – he's probably he, – they probably wrestled at, at the United Center too. But it was 100% that was – it was the Allstate Arena. Was that not where All In was? Where's All In? All In was at the Sears Center. Okay, yeah. So it was just the Cody has history in this city. Yeah, but this matchup was incredible. Uh, you ended up having Randy Orton finally make his uh, entrance into the ring. Before Randy Orton came out, by the way, when they uh, when McIntyre and Priest teamed up for that chokeslam spot, I thought that was cool. And then uh, they did the moonsault, coup de grace, and frog splash from JD, Finn Balor, and Dominic. I thought that, that was a cool spot, too. Yeah. And then Damian Priest put Seth Rollins through that table with the razor's edge. And of course, there were CM Punk chants throughout this whole night, right before uh, Randy Orton came out, though. There's been CM Punk chants for the past 10 years. No, it, this is not the same, though. I didn't even, I really, stupidly, I guess, I didn't think they were going to be chanting CM Punk. I don't know. I didn't think it was that noticeable. Yeah, it wasn't like that noticeable throughout the night, but they were definitely, like, you could definitely hear the CM Punk chants. And right before the, the last member would come out, that being Randy Orton, you could obviously hear CM Punk chants. And right oh, yeah, before actually, Randy Orton could come out, Rhea Ripley's music hit. Yeah, and that's she true. she ran out with the Money in the Bank briefcase to cash in for Damian Priest. And this was, was right after, pop. I believe, the... The uh, razor's edge into the turnbuckle by Priest to the, the Seth Rollins, yeah, through the table. And and as that happened, she handed over the briefcase. Boom! Randy Orton makes his return after a year and a half. Which is honestly, I was telling Chris, and I think I texted you, but genius. You have a Chicago crowd wanting to see CM Punk, and to prevent any potential of Randy Orton making his big return to a crowd of boos because it's not CM Punk, even though they already said that it wasn't going to be him to make sure that that was not going to take place. They gave the crowd a moment to react to, to pop to with Rhea Ripley cashing because the crowd does love uh, Rhea Ripley and the judgment day, I think at times. So for that moment to just get the pop and then send in Randy Orton, right? Just to piggyback off of that. I thought it was so smart. But then Randy Orton got into the actual match and the Judgment Day literally just watched Randy Orton take them out one by one. Which I thought... Randy Orton, he's a legend killer. I thought that was kind of weird though, but... Even Dom. I liked how all of Team Cody did the rope hung DDTs in homage to Randy Orton, I guess. But Randy Orton, we saw him turn his attention to Jey Uso at one point where it looked like he could RKO Jey Uso. But then he went and focused on on everything else. And 
Well, Damian I think right, Priest. I think they, right before that, to, before he refocused to somebody else, I think somebody was going to attack Randy Damian Orton. Damian Priest went to, and Jey Uso saved him with the super kick. Yeah, so yeah, that was the moment that that was kind of like unifying them. And then we got a new RKO spot. I hope it makes the video game. <laughs> Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn threw JD McDonough off the top of the cage into an RKO. It's still not the best RKO spot ever. No, I definitely not. But I thought no, that was the cool Evan new the one. Evan Bourne one is the best. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I would say Seth Rollins. Oh yeah, that one too. That was a good one too. Yeah, this could be the, this one with JD, but whatever his name one. is. What's up? I, I said Evan Bourne's was a fantastic one though. I think that's number two. Seth Rollins is one, and then maybe this might be three. Yeah, and I feel like there's it. also so many RKO spots that we also are just forgetting that maybe even better, but we're just forgetting it. Right. You know? But, yeah, epic spot. Overall, I think that this match was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. You know, and then at the finale, you had everybody going finisher to finisher to finisher to finisher, wiping out all of Judgment Day. Um, then you had Cody Rhodes hitting the crossroads. Solid. Which I think Randy Orton even, like, you do it. This is your dad's match. You do it. Yeah. And then obviously CM Punk return. We already spoke about it, but still. Yeah. So still great. Great, about, great PLE. Excuse me. Yeah. The PLE. But let's move on to some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Opening up with Randy Orton. Should have started off with CM Punk. I'm sorry. And this is the same thing. And this is a conversation we can piggyback to our pre-show prep is you know i i said it to both you guys on any sort of sports like talk radio show or even on the radio itself or music they always start off with the hottest topic first so we're already 50 minutes into this and we haven't mentioned her once on the radio at the top of the hour who are you playing taylor swift because she's the most popular right now so um uh-huh. You know, on you watch uh, SportsCenter, they're going to talk about, you know, who's one of the most popular best teams in the NFL right now. The Eagles, the Chiefs, they'll start off talking with, with that. You know, if something big happens in sports, they talk, They start off with that first. Did you do so your, I, your Spotify wrapped? Uh, do you want to, no, I did my Apple replay, though, um, because I'm not a Spotify user. I'm not but really I, a Spotify user at all. I just listen for when new songs come out and I want to listen to them on loop and it's not hit YouTube yet. Okay. So my Spotify wrapped, it was Cassidy Pope at number one. She's been on the show. That's dope. Still can't believe that happened this year. Uh, number two was Taylor Swift. Number three was BB Rexa. Number four was Snoop Dogg, but only because he did that one song that I listened to over and over again with BB Rexa. And then number five for me I, is so embarrassing because I literally listened to it one time. And it makes my sure, top five. It's Matt Cardona in that, that wrestling musical. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's actually pretty great. You 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 have to you share that because that on the you, you, out account. you may be the only person that actually has Cardona up on their top five. <laughs> no, a lot of people five. do actually. But what That's was your great. what was your Apple your Apple was it what is it called? Apple replay. Yeah. Yesterday was a great, you know, because, and also we're all fans of music. So seeing everybody sharing the music that they listen to and stuff like that, it's, it, it, it brings you people to people like, Oh God, we're going to see this. We're going to see this. No, show me what you're listening to. I like, to I like- saw somebody say, if you have WWE in your top oh, five, you should rethink life. 
Yeah, so I saw I saw so many good good ones yesterday. But uh, my number one artist artist uh, from last year is Harm's Way. Uh, number two is Better Lovers. Number three is God's Eyes. Spoke about it before. Incredible. Uh, four is Twitching Tongues. Five is Code Orange. Uh, six is AFI. Seven is Johnny Booth. Eight is Metallica. Nine is the Gorillas. Um, <laughs> and ten is Most Precious Blood. Nice. My, my the only ones that I recall. Mine is uh, top one is uh, Becky G. Number two is Taylor Swift. Number three is Fallout Boy. Four is Kenny Chesney, and five is uh, Carol G. Is number yeah, three Fallout Boy because of Taylor Swift or because of Fallout Boy? Because of Fallout Boy, I, I play a lot because of um, before classes. I usually play a lot of music to get them going and to get them uh, just ready for class. And sometimes I'll play like Fallout Boy, some of the Fallout Boy songs, like Immortal and stuff like that. Oh my god! Like every other high, end of the year highlight video I caught has to have that song. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I'm always like playing that song. But yeah, um, Chris. So, so just to get back to everything. Oh yeah, let's just pop back. Um, here. so you mentioned about the CM Punk. So I respectfully disagree. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, because you have to have because you want to have you want to get the ratings in for your show. So you want to keep them. Oh my God, see Mike Punk might come out first. Oh my God, he might come out second. Oh, he's not gonna come out till ten fifty. Like, I exactly. Was, so I was I very guess the surprised thing- when I was watching. They got the the ten minute beforehand. Michael Cole comes on commentary before the the show during commercial break. Randy Orton is opening Monday Night Raw. I, I was like, uh, that's not what I was expecting. But it, yeah, it makes yeah, I mean, hundred percent. It makes sense. So to me, it makes sense. But if I was going to adjust anything, I would probably maybe put the punk thing at the 9 p.m. or 10 p.m., not the total end of the show. Yeah, but they want they want to keep people invested and show yeah. CM Punk stuff and whatnot. I get it, but I feel like they should open the show and your and your you know your most social pay per view with the guy and start your your flagship show with the guy you know yeah. that would have said a lot but hey but it was cool. i mean like randy orton signed the figure for the kid on his way to the ring i thought that was something yeah, we didn't yeah get that was that. awesome on on the other hand you also do have the return of randy orton who is a easy hall of famer and i mean let's not What's take away shape? from randy orton opening up this show randy Oiled orton up. is a show opener and a show closer i mean you know the return of randy orton it is a I know Dave's getting tickets for SmackDown on Friday just because he wants to see Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually because um, he wants to see Logan Paul. <laughs> oh, he's actually going to show up. Wow, it's actually because I want to see Dominic and boo him. Yeah, that too. Dom, uh, yeah, I hate so you make Randy me famous. Orton, yeah, so Randy Orton spoke about how he wanted to be in War Games, so he jumped at the chance when Team Cody or when Cody himself asked him. And he said that he has unfinished business with the bloodline, which it seems like everybody has unfinished business with the bloodline. And Rhea Ripley came out and I guess kind of tried to plant seeds of doubt in his mind about what happened at Survivor Series. And I thought she was going to try to get him to join them, but J.D. McDonough and Dominic Mysterio ended up attacking Randy Orton from behind with Orton having the obvious upper hand from that segment. And he dropped JD McDonough with that RKO and then told Dominic that he's going to Adam Pierce's office and he's going to get a match with Dominic. And that was set up for the main event. Yeah. So I thought it was a good opening segment, despite me thinking it was going to be CM Punk. Should have been CM Punk. Prior to the tag team turmoil match, they had a bunch of uh, tag teams backstage. 
and it included Jelly Roll, country musician Jelly Roll, and R Truth in that segment, which I thought was cool to have Jelly Roll and R Truth in there. I thought was pretty cool, but I don't know him. He's literally one of the biggest names in country music right now. So really, and they were in Nashville, so crowd. Got you know a big who else was there? Pop for him. Who? You know who else was at? Uh, oh yeah, in Nashville. I mean, I, we could save that for the markout moment of the week. Okay, yeah, please, let's, okay. <laughs> Moving over the tag team turmoil match, it opened up with DIY, and interesting team, it was not Otis and Chad Gable, it was Otis and Akira Tozawa. I like it, it's a good combination. Yeah, and I like, they had good comedy in this match, like the the beginning, the shirt rip spot I thought was really funny with Otis, where Tozawa couldn't rip his shirt, so Otis ripped it for him. But DIY yeah. ended up getting, uh, hitting, meet, meet in, what is it, meet me in the middle? Meet in the middle. On Akira Tozawa to move on to the next round, which introduced Indus Sheer. And yeah, I thought that was so strange. All Isn't I that, wanted so, was Indus Sheer to, which we've seen them on Monday Night Raw for maybe weeks now, but not doing anything. We're just like, oh, we're we're backstage. We're talking to Adam Pierce or something. I thought this was going to be the start of like a dominant tag team reign of what we want from Indus year Dave and I at least I know I'm Dave a I'm a big mark for them so for them so. to be out next and lose I I don't think they were dominant enough to be like this was their first match together on Monday Night Raw either ever or in however many weeks and it's their first match on TV in whatever many weeks months so I really was I was hoping that they would win, but Diamond Mine was out next. They had a, a pretty decent match with DIY, and they got the victory over Johnny Gargano. New Day, who I feel like have been kind of floating around, doing not much. They they were out next, and we did get to see some strongman stuff from the Creeds with them. And then they got the victory over New Day. Imperium was the last team, and I definitely didn't think Imperium was going to be winning that. So, at least the Creeds won and looked good while doing it. They put some serious work in that match. Yeah. I so, agree. I was I very, this... very happy with that, but I really would have preferred for Indusheer. But I understand that they're not doing that because Indusheer would be heels as would Judgment Day. Yeah. I, I I understand that too, and then you even mentioned that p- the potential of A A O W coming, A O P, A O P. Yeah. Oh, really? They're coming back. We don't know. Days. They were in the Survivor Series program. They've apparently been signed for months, but nobody really knows that, and nobody knows why they were included in the program. And apparently, Gallus were included as well, and nobody knows why, because nobody else from NXT was included. Hmm. But uh, there was a segment with Gunter later on with Imperium where uh, I guess he was maybe pissed off at Kaiser again. And Kaiser is still pissed off at Giovanni Vinci. But Miz showed up and challenged Gunter again. So whether or not that happens, obviously we don't know. But I very much so enjoyed that match at Survivor Series. Yeah. After that, we had a Cody Rhodes spot where... uh, Earlier in the night, he did a, a WWE shop ad. I thought that was really funny, where he moved the Roman Reigns figure over the Stardust figure. <laughs> I thought yeah, that, that was, was a funny. funny spot. As for the promo, though, he thanked his team at War Games. He mentioned that it was his dad's match. He mentioned 
CM Punk's return. And he said that he wants to make history. And the only, which when he said he wants to make history, I'm like, oh, I know where this is leading to. Because they, they pitched this as Cody's big announcement or whatever. And I, could th- I couldn't think of what would be his big announcement. And when he spoke about wanting to make history, I'm like, oh, this is where it's leading to. And he talks about how there's only one destination for him. And then he officially entered the Royal Rumble. Yeah, so that's our first uh, official entrant. However, the lights go out. Nakamura shows up on screen. And it's apparently Cody Rhodes that needs to be the person that sets him free. And then he said that he'll bring the chaos to him. Showed up from behind, misted Cody in the eyes. But could this lead to... I mean, obviously it's going to lead to uh, Nakamura versus Cody somewhere. Maybe the Royal Rumble and then Cody like gets beat down so bad by Nakamura but still goes on to win the Royal Rumble again? But with Nakamura bringing up chaos... Can we see Okada wrestle Nakamura at WrestleMania? Why would what? I don't? So I don't think that if even if he brings up chaos, why would we have him versus? He's saying he's going to bring the Mark's chaos. Be reaching. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, there's rumors that WWE is very interested in Okada, and maybe Okada is open to it. I don't know. I feel like that's totally that's hashtag Mark dreams. I don't know. Hashtags Mark Marks be reaching. I think yeah. that could be a thing. I would love to, but... Uh, after that, next we saw... Up, yeah, next up, we had Ivar take on Bronson Reed, which ended in a double Me. countout. But I got to say, <laughs> this matchup, I was marking out a lot over... Uh, Chris, did you listen to Bronson Reed on Busted Open? I did not. I missed it. This I missed So, it apparently, they have this super heavyweight division on Raw, where it's Ivar, Bronson Reed, Otis, and Bronson Reed is starting to call it Monday Night Meat. Love it. And Get it on a he's, shirt. He's calling we'll all of his millions. fans the meatheads. And he's talking all of, he talks all about how all they're doing is slapping meat. And it's Love awesome. It. And I think that this match, both of them, they rolled around like they were cruiserweights mixed with super heavyweights. There was That's a little my bit favorite. Of... Like, like Keith Lee, too. Like another guy. Like those super agile heavyweight guys. Yeah. Love yeah. it. And it was Love a it. good Great. big man match. We saw... Valhalla get up on the apron and distract Bronson Reed at one point, and she got kicked from ringside. But Bronson Reed ended up hitting a Death Valley driver through the barricade. No, not even through the barricade. Barricade didn't even break. It was like right into it. I'm like, damn. I thought the barricade broke. No, no, it was right on the side. I think they had a chair over there too that he, they just like did it right into. So he did that spot right after the bell rang and they both got counted out. And Ivar got up from that. He hit Bronson Reed with a chair and then they brawled through the crowd. Yeah, I mean, then you had Ivar diving off of the the um, suit, the the cases that they have over there, the production cases onto yeah. Ivar. And then obviously... Um, we'll or, other, or other way around. We'll put um, a pin in that too. Yeah, just but, awesome. After that, we saw Nia Jax pick up the victory over Zoe Stark, which stemmed from a backstage segment. Obviously, Zoe was upset that she lost at Survivor Series, but Shayna Baszler was like, brother, you've been here for such a short time, and you've already got your title shot. You're 100% going to get a title shot again. 
So I still like this team of Shayna Baszler and, and Zoe Stark. But Nia Jax walked in, jokingly congratulated her for becoming champion. And that set up a challenge. Zoe Stark, I think, killed it in that match. I would have liked to have seen yeah. her win. I understand why Nia Jax won that, but I really would have liked to have seen Zoe pick up that victory. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, but again, she solid. looked great in that match. Yep. Afterwards, Seth Rollins came out, cut a promo, obviously a big thing from this segment, which we didn't even speak about. After the cameras stopped rolling at Survivor Series, reports came out, CM Punk is pissed off. CM Punk was have, had to be restrained by Michael Cole. Seth Rollins. Yep, Seth Rollins. Yeah, not CM Punk. Seth you're Rollins just thinking that, that that's that's CM typical Punk. CM Punk action, so you just assume it's CM Punk. So yeah, so <laughs> Seth Rollins, the biggest thing here at first were the CM Punk chants, and Seth wasn't happy. Which obviously, if Seth is being held back by Michael, not Cole. even by Michael Cole. Michael Cole is jacked. People don't realize that <laughs> they really don't. But if if see, I don't think Seth Rollins is is on the same level of anybody else to go into business for himself, especially in front of fans. Yeah. I mean, but this, that entire stuff, I, I loved. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about it later. But the way, the way that Seth Rollins addressed the CM Punk chance was saying, basically he doesn't want to spend any time on a hypocrite. So what I didn't like though, was it was very similar to what he said on the mic the night before at the house at a live show. Well, very good, because we didn't hear that at the house show. We weren't there at the live event. I mean, I saw a video of it. it but that it doesn't matter. All over social media. Yeah. We weren't there, though. So it's like, you can't yeah, assume true. just because it went on Twitter, everyone heard that. True, true. And then he spoke about the championship and how he built it up into the most important title in the industry right now. And he went to speak about how he spoke with Adam Pierce to see who his next opponent's going to be. And he was interrupted by Drew McIntyre. And McIntyre went out there. He wanted to shake Seth's hand for, for the victory. And he spoke about the Judgment Day's master plan and how he didn't like their master plan because it didn't have anything to do with him. It had everything to do with Damian Priest becoming champion. And it clearly failed. So he wants to refocus his attention on the championship and he's putting everything with Jey Uso on the back burner. Because that would be in his way and he doesn't want anything in his way right now. On his main focus goal is being champion. And he spoke about how it was his fault that he lost when he faced Seth Rollins. But now he wants a rematch and Seth Rollins is like, I, I do believe that you deserve a match, but... There are a few other people in front of you. And that person that I spoke to Adam Pierce about. That I'm defending the title next week on Monday Night Raw against. Is Jey Uso. Which is a big slap in the face obviously to Drew McIntyre. He wasn't happy about it. And yeah leading to that headbutt. Yeah he hits that Glasgow kiss. He got busted open on that. Yeah apparently he caught the uh, championship belt. But then he obviously, he attacked Seth Rollins some more and yelled about Jey Uso. And then Jey came out and they fought. And 
I do like that storyline aspect where McIntyre's like, I'm putting all of that behind me, and then everything that he put behind him ends up being that that roadblock. Yeah, I I like this for Drew McIntyre. I think that this has given him a total change of his storyline and gimmick, and it gives him a clear shot at a pure heel. And then I liked, no, I don't even, I don't buy that, but Sami Zayn came out to like try to reason with Drew and like yelled at him. Or he didn't come out. He spoke no, to him backstage. backstage. And backstage. he said, like, every disappointment that you've had, I've had times 10. I've never been champion. You've been champion before. But I just, when stuff like that happens, I, I dust myself off because my end game is the world championship. And he, and he said that Drew McIntyre is better than what he's doing. But... And then, and then Drew was like, maybe I'll work my way back up or whatever and go to Pierce and get a match against you. But literally everything that Drew McIntyre is doing is, I feel like, in the right. Yeah. Why does Jey Uso get a title shot over McIntyre? McIntyre, I think, beat Jey Uso. Yeet. So That's yeet. why. I think everything McIntyre is saying is not heelish. It's literally truth hey that's the form of a heel but moving on chelsea green and piper niven picked up the victory over tegan knox and natty to retain the championships um yeah they did have some good spots i feel like it could have been more entertaining more exciting though i i feel like that's on wwe I, I, they maybe didn't give them enough time that they could have yeah and then we had Becky Lynch interviewed after that, and she was asked about war games. And it didn't really say anything. And I feel like it didn't fit where they put it, so I thought that was weird. I feel like they just did that to include her on the show. Mm-hmm. But also on the show, we saw Jey Uso speak to Randy Orton and apologize for all the stuff with the bloodline. And Randy Orton was like, I've been watching you. And if people trust you, let's let bygones be bygones. And Orton said, as long as you're out of the bloodline, we're good. And then earlier in the night, we saw R-Truth in the Judgment Day's locker room covered in powdered sugar, eating jelly rolls because jelly roll was there. And he offered to be the fifth man at War Games, which I thought was really funny. Because obviously that's like 100% R-Truth antics already. Yeah. So I thought that was funny. And then the main event, we saw Randy Orton pick up the victory over Dominic. And I don't think anybody expected Dominic to win this, but it was still a very entertaining main event. Yeah, this is still a fun way to... What I th- I do agree with Chris that that right there could have ended Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, but, and also this, uh, I feel like maybe Dominic has a, uh, Dominic maybe should have won this match because. What? JD... On his, on Randy Orton's day return match for Monday Night Raw. You're I gonna love whatever you are ingesting right now. Storyline wise. Storyline no wise. Not storyline wise, match wise. I don't think Randy Orton should have been losing that match. Match wise though, JD McDonough got in Jelly Roll's face. Jelly Roll pushed him down. And then Dominic got in his face right in front of the referee. Jelly Roll pushed Dominic. That, to me, that's a disqualification spot. The referee saw Oh, my saw God. It, Let's so... get on the referees. 
So technically, Dominic could have done that via disqualification. Obviously, I understand why that wasn't a thing, but JD McDonough ends up getting up on the apron. He got hit with that rope hung DDT. Dominic hit that 619. He missed the frog splash, and Randy Orton hit with the RKO and picked up the victory. Yeah. And then but... to close out Monday Night Raw, like we said before, instead of opening the show, it was CM Punk. And he, he opens it up. Hell froze over, just like Bret Hart said when he returned to WWE. What a mark. Big so. Big uh, big time, not big so. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that he's changed and he's home, which everyone on Twitter is like clowning him for, but whatever. Oh, my God. And he mentioned Dusty Rhodes without actually mentioning Dusty Rhodes. He mentioned Paul Heyman without actually mentioning Paul Heyman. Obviously, we said it before. So he that's said gonna be, AJ Sensor regards. Not even so. That's going to be one thing that is going to be interesting. Is going to be that first stare down between CM Punk and Paul Heyman. Yeah, like that. Like those those cool things. I'm like that. That I'm kind of looking forward to seeing. And that first interaction, I think, is going to be very very cool, especially with the you know lineage that those two had working together in WWE. I'm wondering yeah, if if the reason why he didn't actually say Dusty's name or Paul Heyman's names were because WWE doesn't know where he's going yet technically and they didn't want to like plant he any, like like storyline wise they didn't they didn't want to plant seeds for oh he mentioned dusty Rhodes, he's obviously going after cody Rhodes, or oh he mentioned paul Heyman, he's obviously going after roman reigns or something like well, that i mentioned whatever he wants it's fine so but everybody he said welcomed him back with open arms some kissed him on the lips and he also said a uh, few didn't welcome him back yeah, talk alluding to uh, Seth Rollins. They're afraid and, you know, of what they also don't the reports know. of Drew McIntyre as well. So yeah, and then he literally ends it with he's not there to make friends; he's there to make money. So okay, maybe he hasn't changed. So I'm gonna say right now, I love. I really did like the promo, but I didn't like the last sentence. I don't think that that was needed. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. I. It's something about that. I mean, it, well, you're I think telling me about plans, the reason you you told me the, the reason why you were here was for the fans and everything, but then you concluded by saying that you're here to make money. Yeah, because CM Punk, I think, is a natural heel. So obviously, it's like, well, yeah, on day He's one, more of an I said, I'm here than he is like, is, I'm now sorry, for this, you both were talking. Yeah, I'm sorry. I Go couldn't ahead, hear. I was saying that plants like seeds for the future, where it's like. He's a natural heel. I said this at the very night, the very first night back on Monday Night Raw. Mm. Chris, what were you saying? Um, is this, I'm only here to make money. Hey, my name has the name Punk in it. There's nothing punk about. Yes, I know we, want, we all want to make money in life, but st- but like, I don't know. It just that didn't like. Yes, it was like you know. It's I'm hoping everything that he's saying to comes into you know fruition, and he. They make a lot of money with him, and he has great yeah. matches and everything like that. But again, I'm super apprehensive. I can't I mean, see anything that happened in AEW happening again. I mean, maybe maybe it's possible that his money comment means that it's just meaning that he's willing to do business. Like he's willing to previous, go to Saudi Arabia. Like he's willing to, yeah, he, yes. Like he's willing to do these matches that maybe previously that Punk would have not done. Like having the WrestleMania match with Triple H. Maybe now he's willing to do those matches. So no, I think his still ultimate goal is to headline WrestleMania. Oh yeah, headline night night one of a buy one get one free event, as he likes to say. Yeah, um, I would totally. I think that that would be. I think one hundred percent. 
he wants to headline WrestleMania, you know? Mm. That was Monday Night Raw. Let's get on to NXT. It opened up with the family picking up the victory over Los Lotharios to retain the NXT Tag Team Championships. Uh, opened up right off the bat with a brawl before the bell even rang. I think there was a moment before the commercial break where I thought Los Lotharios were about to win the titles in like five minutes. But then, obviously, that commercial hit and the match grew longer and longer. Uh, Angel Garza got that low blow on stacks behind the referee's back. And he hit Angel's wings, and I thought that was going to be it. But stacks ended up low-blowing him on the kickout. Tony got the tag in, and they picked up the victory. Yeah, I think I'm, the more I see them in action... Uh... D'Angelo and Stax. I'm starting to become more of a fan of the both of them together. I guess really the the one thing I didn't like from this match was when Tony threw Stax out onto Umberto. I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of goofy because it just it had Angel Garza laying there even longer because that literally he throws Stax out onto Umberto and then the end of the match was there. Yeah. So that was like the one part that I wish maybe happened before he knocked out Garza. I could understand that. After that, though, we saw Kalani Jordan pick up the victory over Kiana James to advance to the Iron Survivor Challenge. This was a match that Jerry the King Lawler picked. He shaved off his goatee, which I was surprised to see. But uh, he picked this. Nikita Lyons was ringside for this. I think this was the first time she was on TV in 10 months. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, personally, I'm still not a fan of hers. Well, the match-wise, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, given that Kiana, uh, Kalani Jordan lost the breakout tournament, I was really hoping that she would win and advance to that Iron Survivor Challenge. So I did like that. It did seem like Kiana James was going to win this, though, and it was actually Roxanne Perez who showed up and rang the bell. Yeah, total uh, distraction, you know? So Total distraction. Kalani Jordan puts on Twitter, a win's a win. I kind of wish it wasn't a distracted victory there, but she took advantage of that, picked up the victory. Yeah. Also, yeah, you had to figure that, you had to figure based on what happened last week with Roxanne Perez and Kiana James that we would see Roxanne Perez sort of do like a receipt sort of thing Mm -hmm. and cost her the match. Yeah. But And also, Roxanne Perez found out that there's going to be two last chance matches next week. And she got into a fight with Izzy Dame randomly over it. And then to close NXT, a big brawl in the parking lot between Roxanne Perez and Kiana James. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So Next up, you had Andre Chase with Chase U breaking the news that they're broke. Yeah, the investigation revealed illegal gambling and misuse of funds. To put the university in debt, and uh, he'll work to get Chase U back to what it was. <laughs> but what will he do to get that money, or who will he go to? And why was there gambling debt? Like, was it from him? I don't know. What I happened. have a fake. Fa- uh, I don't know. It could be Hudson. But again, I'm I'm happy that at least we we got. Yeah, we couldn't go something. another week without it. Yeah. You know, and we said that last week. Yeah. Afterwards, Next up, you had Braun Breaker pick up the victory over Eddie Thorpe to advance in the Iron Survivor Challenge. Um, it was definite. 
Uh, you know, Thronebreaker yeah. wasn't gonna lose. And to Thorpe, Eddie Thorpe. Thorpe's kind of just been floating around. Yeah, Thronebreaker pretty much controlled the majority of this match, and Eddie Thorpe did have that tiny comeback, but it really would have been hard to see him winning that match. Exactly. And Braun Breaker, I forget what specifically he said afterwards in a, a promo or an interview, but this is like the start of him being back and built up or whatever. Yeah. So after that, we saw that- Ilya Dragunov pick up the victory over Nathan Fraser, which stemmed from a backstage segment where Nathan Fraser and Axiom were talking about Ilya Dragunov and... They they spoke about how Baron Corbin has, I guess, a better life. But Dragunov showed up and what he heard was kind of like taken out of context. So he was super pissed off at Nathan Fraser over that. It led to the match. Obviously, Dragunov's coming in uh, on fire. We did see Fraser have like that back and forth with Dragunov. But Dragunov turned it around, hit one H-bomb. Decided it wasn't enough. He pinned Nathan Fraser and, and picked him up. He got up. He hit it again. And then one more time, he hit it uh, three times to just really, I guess, nail in his point to Nathan Fraser. And he goes to help Fraser up afterwards. Baron Corbin interrupted, which I thought was funny because instead of helping him up, he just f- focused his attention on Corbin. Yeah, I like that part a lot. Like, Fraser went for his hand. And before he could even make contact with Dragunov's hand, Dragunov like just left, it, just let him flop back down, and you yeah. know his hand wise. Corbin was up I on the screen. Good. Corbin continued to plant doubt in Ilya's head about being champion, and and he's like, "I get to see my family or whatever. You don't." And and Corbin basically just said he'll be the next champion. So. We saw Lyra Valkyria interviewed, basically asking what's next for her. And she said, whoever wins at deadline, that's what's next for me. And we saw Fallon Henley show up and said that she's going to win the the last chance Iron Survivor Battle Royal, whatever it's going to be. And Tatum Paxley showed up all creepy in the back in the shadows to be like, if you win, Lyra's just going to beat you. I feel like she's been off TV for quite some time now. So maybe that leads to her costing Fallon Henley the match. I don't know. Yeah. After that, Joe Gacy cut a very frantic and wild promo from under the ring, which was very weird. And I didn't know up until it actually happened. I thought maybe it was like him under the ring during the previous match. But we saw Ariana Grace pick up the victory over Carmen Petrovich. Joe Gacy came out from under the ring and started, he stole the ring bell. So that's the second time the ring bell is getting used uh, in some way this night. Yeah. And Ariana Grace ends up, I guess, cheating to pick up the victory there. And Joe Gacy started ringing that bell like a madman. What is going to happen with Joe Gacy? Like where this character is going, I have no idea. I don't know. I I need to see more. The other week he threw a camera off the roof. So gotta see more. Earlier in the night, we saw Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes backstage. They were pissed off because Anonymous showed off a video of Lexus King backstage the night that Trick Williams got attacked. And Melo's like, "Let's go, let's go jump him during his match." And Trick's like, "No, 
He's on the back burner because I have the Iron Survivor match to focus on. And then Carmelo Hayes is like, well, I'm going to do something about it. Because Lexus took that from him. And then we go on, we see Lexus King pick up the victory over Brooks Jensen, which stemmed from an earlier segment where Lexus King is trying to plant seeds of doubt between Josh Briggs, Fallon Henley, and, and Brooks Jensen. Oh, the legends picked her. The legends picked Josh Briggs. They didn't pick you. So Carmelo Hayes came out and got involved in this match. Josh Briggs stopped him. And that caused... Yeah, and then Lexus King was able to take advantage of it, though. Yeah, that caused the distraction, and, and Lexus won from that spot. I still don't fully trust that it was Lexus King. I still think it was Carmelo Hayes. I agree with you. I think that Lexus King is just... Uh, stirring the pot. People are like, oh, this video proves that it wasn't Carmelo Hayes. It proves that it was Lexus King. The video proves nothing. The video proves that he was there after or before. Yeah, just that he was there, you know? I still think we're getting that that Triple H CCTV footage. Yeah. Main event of the evening, Wes Lee picked up the victory over Cameron Grimes, Bronson Reed, and Johnny Gargano. Uh, this match was awesome. They aired video packages for the three of them on NXT beforehand. So I thought that was cool. Dominic did commentary for this match. And I thought this was a a fun, enjoyable main event. And I thought like of any of the matches on, on WWE so far that wasn't on a pay-per-view or PLE, this could have been. Mm-hmm. This I thought was such a good match. I like when the three of them teamed up to take out Bronson Reed. The, the I, I the, my the, biggest moment was Ivar getting involved. Yeah, Ivar. Like I said, we put a pin in it. Ivar ended up getting involved, and he took Bronson Reed from the match. Yeah. Before that, though, I like the catapult and the low blow spot that Gargano did to Cameron Grimes, causing the low blow to Bronson Reed. The the Death Valley driver that Bronson Reed hit when he caught. Wesley on his shoulders. I thought that was dope. Everything was incredible. That gorilla press know? slam, yeah, from the middle rope, I thought was incredible. Yeah. Big match, fan of this matchup. Time. And, and Wesley getting the victory over three big NXT, uh, former NXT people, you know? Yeah, former North American champions. And now Wesley goes to deadline to face Dominic, where it probably seems like it's set up for Wesley to pick up that victory and win the title back, but I kind of hope he doesn't. I've been just very much so enjoying Dominic as North American champion. 100% agreed. So that's NXT. I know you're headed to SmackDown, so I'll talk about that as per usual by myself. But Yes, um, uh, be on lookout for maybe some videos, but I cannot wait to go to SmackDown. And Brandon... Why don't you talk about it? Yeah, Bianca Belair opened the show. She shouted out her War Games teammates. And then she said that her win with her her war against damage control is not over. Because she wants her title back. That led to damage control coming out without Bailey. And Dakota Kai said that if she wants a shot at EO, she'll have to go through all of the members of damage control. Charlotte and Shotzi came out, got in the ring. Everyone brawled. 
And it sets up the main event where Bianca Belair and Kyrie Sane would, would wrestle. Backstage, Damage Control questioned Bailey as to where she was, and Bailey's like, nobody told me. Nobody, if, if you guys had told me, I would have been there. So again, that plant seeds. After that, Lashley picked up the victory over Butch. Lashley spoke to Butch before the match, and, and Butch just didn't care what Lashley had to say. Lashley, big time over in Brooklyn. Ridge Holland wasn't at ringside. He had, We saw him. He left two weeks in a row, basically. Um, Butch, though, I liked how fast he went at Lashley, and it wasn't a one-sided match. But he got a lot in and ate his spear to lose the match. Backstage, I think it was uh, Kathy Kelly, maybe. Might have been Kayla. I'm not sure at this point. But Butch was interviewed about Ridge Holland. And Butch said he doesn't care. His focus is on fighting. All he wants to do is fight. And then Pretty Deadly interrupted him and made fun of Butch. So he did what he wanted to do and he fought. But they took him out. A lot of people are are calling for the return of Pete Dunne. Maybe we'll see that, maybe we won't. Afterwards, we saw Santos Escobar interviewed. And he said that he's only trying to finish what Rey Mysterio started. And said that what... uh, Said... Uh, Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro are blinded by Rey Mysterio. And then he goes on to defeat Joaquin Wilde, which uh, had a really cool springboard over the, the ring post spot from Joaquin Wilde. But there was no way that Santos Escobar was losing this match. Still enjoyable, but there was no way he was winning. And after the match, Escobar continued the beatdown. Dragon Lee ran out, made the save, and Escobar tried to jump him from behind, and Dragon Lee reversed it and took Santos Escobar out. Logan Paul was out next, and he cut one hell of a promo. He announced that there's going to be a tournament to determine the next challenger to the U.S. Championship. He listed Santos Escobar, Dragon Lee, Karrion Cross, an NXT superstar, who I can't even, like, in my head, picture who it could be unless it's Carmelo Hayes or or something Noam Dar maybe I don't know Tyler Bate also um uh Bobby Lashley Grayson Waller Austin Theory and Kevin Owens Kevin Owens showed up and said that Logan Paul is in his ring and that is his worst nightmare it makes him sick that Logan Paul's in his ring but it kind of seems like it's Kevin Owens's like tournament to win They were then interrupted by A-Town Down Under. They were like, you're better than engaging with Kevin Owens. And then Austin Theory spoke about Logan Paul knocking people out. So Kevin Owens punched Austin Theory in the face, which I thought was funny. Um, And I really didn't know how this segment was going to end. I kind of thought it was maybe going to end in a brawl, and I'm happy that it didn't. It led into the next match where Kevin Owens picked up the victory over Grayson Waller. I thought it was a good match. Waller worked on Kevin Owens' hand throughout the match. Uh, And I think Kevin Owens is really good at selling injuries because he, I feel like, is one of the few who actually does progressively sell as the match goes on. And towards the end of the match, even was selling that, that hurt hand 
while doing a swanton. He like held his his arm and his hand against his stomach and still did the swanton. And Kevin Owens ended up getting a quick victory after Grayson Waller put that that hurt hand in the turnbuckle pad and he kicked it at full speed, but Kevin Owens removed his hand and then got a a quick roll-up at the end of that. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed that. Afterwards, the main event saw Bianca Belair pick up the victory over Kyrie Sane. EO made Bailey stay in the back. The rest of Damage Control came out for ringside. Charlotte and Shotzi Blackheart were there for, for ringside as well. And Flair cheated in front of the referee and, and pulled Kyrie's leg. The referee saw it. Asuka gets in the ring and then the referee saw that as well. So he kicked everybody from the ringside area. Um, and I I would have liked for Kyrie's first like singles match back in WWE to be one that she won. But I understand why it wasn't. They're building Bianca Belair to, I guess, run through damage control. But I really would have liked to have seen that victory. Uh, Bianca Belair ended up hitting that glam slam on the barricade to Kyrie, And when she got back in the ring, the referee was distracted. Bailey showed up, attacked Bianca Belair. But when Kyrie went up for that insane elbow, Bianca Belair was able to reverse that and hit the KOD to pick up the victory. Earlier on, we saw Nick Aldis and Paul Heyman in his office, he asked if Nick invited Randy Orton to SmackDown. And Nick Aldis said yes, and he intends to sign Randy Orton. And then Paul Heyman asked if Roman knows about it. And Nick Aldis was like, well, if you look at this, it says all communications for Roman must go through you. So consider Roman knowing this or something like that. I thought that was a good line. And then he said that he's going to throw the whole bloodline at Randy Orton if he has to, if it means signing him. And then we saw Adam Pierce approach Nick Aldis later on about Randy Orton, obviously annoyed about it, and said he'll join him out there for the contract signing. And I do like that they were both going for Randy Orton, like both GMs. But Randy Orton was drafted to Monday Night Raw this year, so it was kind of like, I get it. He was out for a year and a half and he was not even here for the draft and stuff, but he was drafted. But SmackDown closes with Randy Orton. Both general managers spoke over one another and argued and like threw everything at Randy Orton. Adam Pierce even said he could add Randy Orton to the world championship match with Seth Rollins and Jey Uso on Monday. But Paul Heyman came out and said that the bloodline is going to make Randy Orton's decision for him. Where we saw Solo and Jimmy come out. Obviously, they're going to go jump Randy Orton. Randy Orton uh, got saved by LA Knight, which I think is a huge deal for LA Knight. And then he took Solo to the back. Jimmy was left with Randy Orton. Randy hits him with that Ropung DDT. Hits him with the RKO. And then made Nick Aldis and Adam Pierce give him the contracts and he ends up throwing the raw contract out of the ring. He signed the SmackDown contract and told Paul Heyman to, to call Roman Reigns and tell him he's back using other words. But 
I thought that was a good way to end SmackDown. Nick Aldis celebrated with Randy Orton in the ring. I did not expect Randy Orton to drop Nick Aldis with that RKO. So I don't know if there's going to be repercussions for him. Uh, but Aldis threw a bunch at Orton, so I don't think there will be. Next week's episode is the tribute to the troops. We're going to see the start of that tournament for the U.S. Championship. Uh, number one contendership. CM Punk is also going to be there. The last tribute to the troops that he was part of was that 2013 one. So, SmackDown next week. Looking forward to it. Going to take a quick break now. And I'll be right back here on Marking Out. This is Joe Gacy, and you're listening to Marking Out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 669. Checking back to Rampage from last week, we saw Hook pick up the victory over Rocky Romero. Uh, I think it's absolutely crazy that the last singles match for Hook, I guess indirectly led to the end of CM Punk in AEW. And now CM Punk, as we just discussed, is back in WWE. As for this match, I don't understand why it wasn't a title match. I feel like it could have been. Some of the match was kind of shaky. The outcome was pretty obvious, but overall, I thought this was a good match. We saw Chris Statlander pick up the victory over Diamante. Um, again, I think it would have been cool if we saw Chris Statlander in the Continental Classic. But now she has to build up or build her way back up to the, the title picture. Mercedes Martinez came out, which... Caused a bit of a distraction. But Chris Statlander really controlled the whole match. And after she won, Mercedes Martinez jumped Chris Statlander. Diamante joined in. And then Willow made the save. I feel like we'll see more from that this week. Hopefully we see more from that this week. We saw the Kingdom pick up the victory over Duke Davis and Gannon Jones. The most important thing from this being the the promo from Matt Taven beforehand saying that they're coming for MJF. They're coming for the Ring of Honor tag team titles. The match itself was just a squash match. Main event saw Wheeler Yuta pick up the victory over Shibata to become the new Ring of Honor pure champion. Shibata apparently has to go back to Japan for a while. But Christopher Daniels, Jerry Lynn, and Jimmy Jacobs were the judges for this. What I don't understand is how Wheeler Yuta is able to pick up a victory using a low blow when there's three judges there. I didn't understand that at all. But he attacked Shibata afterwards. Hook came out to check on him. But maybe the next champion is going to be Hook. He's already the FTW champion, but that's, I mean, no offense to the championship and whoever's holding it and who's ever held it, it's a pretty meaningless title. So maybe he'll get the Ring of Honor pure title. I think that'd be cool for Hook. Moving over to AEW Collision, we saw Claudio... Pick up the victory over Daniel Garcia. He gained points in the Continental Classic. I could have done with all the uh, without the the Daniel Bryan or the Bryan Danielson digs from Nigel throughout this match, 
but unless that's somehow going to lead to Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness, but I don't think that'll happen. I also, and I'll probably say this a lot about this tournament, I don't get them going outside the ring as much. That, to me, goes against about what this tournament is. I don't, I don't like that. But Garcia went into this match in sort of like a ho-hum kind of mood because people don't believe in him. I'm not sure if that'll end up meaning more later on where he'd end up in the finals somehow and have this big comeback. I don't, I don't see that, though. We saw Killswitch pick up the victory over the boys. Killswitch, the main thing to note, grabbed a chair afterwards for a concerto. Edge eventually showed up and attacked him from behind with a chair and he locked Killswitch in that Glasgow grin. He then hit him with a concerto. And and Killswitch tried to get up. Edge hit a curb stomp and then another concerto. And it's crazy to me because it's like this is kind of like a main event style storyline. Everything that Edge is doing here is like main event level storyline telling. But he's doing it with lower mid-card guys. So that's weird to me. But Edge ends up challenging Christian to a match in Montreal for the TNT Championship in two weeks. Now it's, I guess, one week. But that's where he left off there. House of Black picked up the victory over Gravity and Commander. Very predictable outcome. Went on a lot longer than I thought it would. I don't think the referee even tried to get the illegal competitors out of the ring for this match. I think a lot could have been done differently. Backstage, we saw Action and Dreddy and Darius Martin uh, cutting a promo. They were literally cut off by an ad for basketball. It comes back for a quick second when Dante makes his big return from his broken leg and then immediately gets cut off for a commercial of chocolate. Goofy. Obviously, that's not on AEW unless they timed out their commercials incorrectly. But that was super goofy. Julia Hart then picked up the victory over Lady Frost to retain the TBS championship. I like that they're continuing the House of Rule, the House Rules match styles. Um, or rules, the House Rules rules, I guess, through Julia's championship reign. Lady Frost chose no countouts, which I really don't like that stipulation because it meant that they were going to be spending unnecessary time outside the ring. And to me, that's something like one of the last things that they need for the women, let alone AEW in general. And outside the ring led to a few, few, uh, a few like sloppy spots, which all would have been avoided if that wasn't the stipulation. But I did like that clothesline that, uh, that Julia Hart hit when Lady Frost was sitting in the chair on the ramp. But also, unless this is a open challenge, I don't understand Lady Frost getting a championship match. And I don't think this was an open challenge. 
she has, I don't think she has any victories on TV. So that didn't make sense to me. Not really a first strong title defense for Julia Hart. After that, we saw FTR pick up the victory over the Righteous. Both teams, I think, need wins. Big time. And I'm happy that it wasn't completely one-sided. House of Black showed up afterwards. And they said that nobody's there to save FTR. Not Cesaro. Not Wheeler Yuta. Not CM Punk. Which is ironic that he was name-dropped probably an hour or so before he debuted, or not debuted, returned to WWE. And then the lights went out, House of Black vanished, and the crowd looked confused, and they were kind of silent. I don't think that worked. We saw Ricky Starks and Big Bill get interviewed. They took out Chris Jericho last year, uh, last week, I mean, at the, the Full Gear media scrum, or afterwards, I should say. We don't know how long Chris Jericho's out for. I don't know why we wouldn't have found this out last week. Or maybe we did and I just don't remember it. But Big Bill cut a pretty like babyface promo, which I thought was weird given that he's a heel. But then he went on to trash Kenny Omega. So overall, I'm still, uh, I'm enjoying Big Bill and Ricky Starks as a team right now. We saw Keith Lee pick up the victory over uh, Lee Moriarty. The last time Lee Moriarty had a singles victory on TV was over a year ago. So why should anybody care about this match? It's like, I, I don't understand. And it's even more like ridiculous to me that it went past three minutes. And then Keith Lee cut a promo like Nakamura where he knows who he's after. We don't know who he's after. I could assume it's Shane Taylor. I could assume that it's Swerve. We don't know. And then the main event saw Brody King pick up the victory over Eddie Kingston to gain points. Uh, It was cool to see all the members of House of Black get a win on this episode. I just don't think the one who holds the the two out of the three championships in the tournament should have lost the first match. We saw Brody control the beginning of it. Eddie had a comeback in the middle, but ultimately Brody King shut it down right before the show cut off. But, and this was probably the best match of the whole night. I just, I don't think that Eddie Kingston should have lost that match. So, to me, that was unfortunate. Moving over to AEW Dynamite, we saw John Moxley pick up the victory over Jay Lethal to get points in the tournament. Brian Danielson did commentary. And I thought this was a decent match. Like I said with the other match, they spent way too much time outside the ring. How is that a straightforward wrestling match? To me, that's not. After that, it was announced that Revolution will be held in Greensboro, North Carolina on March the 3rd. Ric Flair and Sting both spoke. Ric Flair is apparently in hot water with the the fans on Twitter for a Rampage promo that I have not yet heard. 
that if he did say what he said, it doesn't make sense as to why he was allowed to say something like that. But I really just hope that that last match is not Sting versus Ric Flair. I really hope. And then after Sting is done, retired from from wrestling there, I don't know if that means he's done with AEW, but it would be nice to see Sting and a bunch of his characters back in the WWE video game. So I don't think him retiring on 3-3 when the game probably comes out a few weeks after that means that he'll make it into 2K24, but 2K25 maybe. After that, we saw Roosh pick up the victory over Mark Briscoe to game points. Started off very hot. But then they went out of the ring and spent a lot of time outside of the ring. And that, again, I don't like that. I don't need that. Every single match on this episode of Dynamite had fighting outside the ring. And AEW uses that so often and it makes no sense. You can do matches. There's wrestling. Used to get DQ'd for going outside of the ring. There's four four sides of the ring. Use them. And with Roosh being the opponent here, I just didn't see Mark getting a victory here. And I really wish that he got points in the last round or the, the first match that he had. After that, we had MJF come out who was still using the cane on the wrong side. That's not the side if your left knee is injured, you'd be using it on your right side. Obviously, later on in the promo, he breaks the cane. He doesn't need the, the cane anymore. But still, they have doctors. I hate it when they do this on WWE. I hate this when they do this on AEW. The doctors should know to be like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. This is your hurt knee? Put it on your other side. But MJF came out and spoke about World's End. He spoke about how he doesn't like Samoa Joe, but he respects Samoa Joe. And he spoke about being a fan of Samoa Joe in TNA. He spoke about how Joe wasn't allowed to be champion in WWE, which is kind of goofy because he was NXT champion. Obviously, he wasn't WWE champion, but... Um, the fans in this segment were chanting, thank you, Joe. And then MJF put himself over and he spoke about building up AEW from the ground up and defeating people like Cody Rhodes, like CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho, and Samoa Joe. And at December 30th's event, World's End, it's not about Samoa Joe's legacy, it's about MJF's legacy. And I don't understand. MJF has already defeated Samoa Joe. I don't understand why that would be a big thing. And the way MJF was talking in this, I thought for sure he was going to say, I want a dog collar match. But instead, you get a record scratch. The lights go flickering. MJF gets jumped by masked men. Then the feed cuts. I don't know if that was related to the devil or not. But then obviously when the feed started working again, there were words being typed out on a screen where they challenged 
Joe and MJF to a tag team match for next week. The match that took place right after this was Wardlow picking up the victory over AR Fox. And AR Fox went, he got the jump on him right before the match. But right in this moment, who cares about Wardlow? It continues to be the same thing. It continues to be nothing. And on top of that, I feel like Wardlow actually looked weak over AR Fox with AR Fox reversing stuff. But the main point here with this match going next was that people were pointing out that Wardlow's hair was kind of messy and that one of the guys that attacked MJF was built like Wardlow. So they think that maybe Wardlow can be one of the masked men for the devil, which I don't know how it would make, yes, it 100% looks like Wardlow's build. I don't think that makes sense. Wardlow's been publicly saying, I'm coming for you. So why would it be like, oh, I'm coming for you, but let me put on a mask. Would Wardlow not be somebody that would do that without a mask on? And now it just ties in. Maybe MJF is the devil still. Maybe MJF is setting all this up to make it look like he's not the devil. With CM Punk out of the company, unless it's uh, Jungle Jack Perry, who I don't even think would be a big reveal, there's nobody. I don't want it to be Adam Cole. The only person that it would have been in that scenario would be CM Punk. Now that that mystery is gone, who cares who the the devil is? Not that I would have wanted it to be CM Punk. After that, top flight and action, Andretti picked up the victory of the Hardy Boys and Brother Zay. They showed that absolutely disgusting clip of Dante's injury. That he was, unfortunately, when he broke his uh, leg at that Ring of Honor ladder match. I don't know why they thought it was necessary to do that in multiple angles. I thought that was awful. But at least Darius, uh, I mean, Dante looked good in this match. It was weird hearing the crowd, like, not be behind the Hardy Boys. And it also kind of sucks to see them in this position because... I don't think they are being used to how they should be. But obviously when Dante Martin is returning from an injury like that, he shouldn't be losing. So it makes sense that he won and it makes sense how they lost, but this was another match that I just could have done without. Afterwards, uh, who was it? Penta went up and basically laid out a challenge for them. Three on three. We saw Julia Hart pick up the victory over Emi Sakura to retain the championship. Uh, I definitely think I said last week that I want more of Emi, but I want more of Emi where it makes sense. Because just like Lady Frost on Collision... She has no singles TV victories. And she's lost like four other title matches in her career. I don't think this is how you should be building Julia Hart 
And I certainly don't think this builds the TBS championship. But Emmy's house rules was that there's no submissions or or no submission victories. And uh, Julia kept using submissions. Emmy even tapped out at one point. And the ref, to me, makes Julia look stupid by yelling, oh, it's house rules, it's house rules. Just let her do the submission. If she's doing it, if she's tapping, commentary is like, Explaining she's not able to have Emmy tap out and and lose. But she's able to apply the pressure and, and damage Emmy. Let that happen. You don't have to be like, oh, house rules. As if to like break the submission. I hated that. But I do want more of Emmy Sakura on TV. Just when it makes sense. After that, Christian came out, called out Edge, and he said that they're not going to make it to Montreal because he's sorry. And he tried to butter Edge up with a bunch of childhood memories and a bunch of stuff like that. He brought up how Edge's mom, before she passed away, all she wanted was to see them team up one more time. And he's like, we should do it for her. And then Christian went to attack Edge with the TNT Championship, and Edge obviously saw it coming, and he kicked him below the belt. Part of me wishes this was the opening of Dynamite, because I thought this was a really good segment. And then the main event of Dynamite saw Swerve pick up the victory over Jay White to gain points. Brian Danielson was also on commentary here, did a fantastic job. Um, Some random fan got involved, which was weird. But this was a really good match. Awesome main event. Uh, I think I would have enjoyed it so much more had they not gone to the outside of the ring. Like I said, it was every single match on this episode of Dynamite. And I think I would have enjoyed it more if Jay White wasn't in it. Which I know is stupid to say, makes no sense. But like I said, Jay White cannot wrestle in Japan. He cannot wrestle for New Japan. Why is he challenging for a championship that he cannot have? That he can't defend? It makes no sense. But that's the end of Dynamite. Hey, Chris, got any matches of the week? Chris's match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Royal Rumble 2014. And the reason why this is my match of the week is because it was CM Punk's last match in the WWE. And it'll probably be his first match back uh, going into uh, his new career. And this also, because of CM Punk leaving right after this match, set up one of the greatest WrestleMania moments ever. With the, uh, the Yes movement happening and then plans changing from Batista winning it to being a triple threat and getting that awesome moment with Brian Danielson who apparently was in charge of the internet saying he was in charge of getting CM Punk fired. So <laughs> everything has come for a circle. Brandon, who are you shouting out? Hello there, this is Randy Newman, and you're listening to Brandon's shout-outs because you got some shout-outs from Brandon. Now when do I get paid? The first shout-out goes to Kiss because uh, by the time this airs, they would have had their final two shows at Madison Square Garden. Which, uh, whether or not we will believe that it's actually their final 
shows? No, it's absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know. The yeah, Kiss Cruise is next year. <laughs> five more years ahead of them. But uh, I, I think it's still kind of sad, even if it's like the end of their touring or whatever. But I've enjoyed seeing them perform live. Dave and I saw them twice. Uh, overall, I saw them three times. Have you, you ever seen them, Chris? Or no, you're not? Nope. No, I'm not a Kiss fan. Dave and I saw them at the, the Coliseum, and then we painted our faces up for Jones Beach. With Dan. What yeah, a they, they were like, oh, let's go to a diner afterwards. I was like, I'm not going to a diner with my face painted like this. So I we went home to my house. I took all my paint off. They went out to eat with their paint still on. <laughs> and then uh, and then I saw Kiss one last time at Madison Square Garden. So. And you'll probably see them in three years. <sighs> I do wish that I could have seen the original lineup, but I, I did have fun at all the shows, even though like you look back and it's like, Eh, you can tell their voices aren't what they once were. And it was also cool, the Jones Beach show, they got to incorporate fireworks into their pyro. Don't they have it all the time? Like Not fireworks, but like actual fireworks because it's open air. Yeah, that was really uh, special to get to see, you know? Yeah, so first shout out, 100% goes to KISS. My next yeah, shout they're out, lighting up the Empire State Building and everything, yeah, so kudos to week. KISS. Yeah, they, they're selling uh, KISS Metro cards, I saw. I don't even know they still sell Metro cards, but... Well, yeah, well, apparently now, on the front page of Newsday, was like, oh, you have to show your ticket before you board a train now. Because they're How trying is to... that even going to be, like, remotely close to being, like... I mean, I'm totally all for it. I think stop the people think... from uh, jumping the rails. I'm all good for it. No, but it's for the LIRR. I don't see how they could police the that. Yeah, it's it's so strange. But continue on the shout-outs, Brandon. Sorry. Next shout-out goes to Good Burger 2. It came out last week on Paramount Plus, and I thought it was good to see the story continued. The first movie came out 26 years ago when this podcast was a wee one, a wee little thing. And uh, I think they really probably got the ball rolling when they did a sketch on The Tonight Show in 2015, and then... All that got rebooted in 2019, and we got to see new Good Burger sketches from that. So it's all been, like, building to a sequel, and I I enjoyed it. They kind of have some wrestling-ish related cameos in this, most notably a former WWE champion, but not not the WWE champion. I don't want to spoil anything. And then Good Burger 3 is apparently happening, so... I'll look forward to that as well. It's on Paramount Plus, like I said. Check it out. Last shout-out goes to Leo, which was released last week on Netflix. It's Adam Sandler's new film. It's animated. Bill Burr is in it. Cecily Strong. Jason Alexander. The list goes on and on. But it's about a classroom pet lizard played by Adam Sandler and a turtle played by Bill Burr. And they're basically their relationship with the kids and... Sandler's character ends up talking to the kids and they're not really supposed to talk to the kids at all because that's weird for an animal to talk to a kid. But Sandler lets it slip and it's also kind of a musical, but I thought it was very enjoyable. I think families will enjoy it. I think adults like myself will enjoy it because there's it's not like a... You didn't watch it already? No, I did. I did. And I think people like... Uh, like adults that don't have kids will enjoy it too. There's no cursing or anything in it. So, but there are like adult related jokes, but I don't think kids will 
understand it. Like it should go over their heads. So I definitely recommend checking out Leo on Netflix. And those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our, our is right our mark out moment of the week i think uh because i just gave that shout out to leo something wrestling related was in this movie uh there's a scene where one of the kids is watching a twitch streamer and he's playing smackdown versus raw 2006 good with, smart <laughs> with kurt angle versus rick flair and uh That's i pop funny. big time for the fact that the match was included and they had commentary lines from the game with uh with jerry lawler and and jim ross so i i thought that was pretty cool that's funny um mark out moment of the week easily cm punk i totally marked out for um i also marked out for uh chris was talking about before the stuff that took place after the air uh i took i marked out for trying to watch all of the video clips of Seth Rollins reactions and him flipping the bird to CM Punk. I marked out for CM Punk waving to Randy Orton who was sitting in a chair. <laughs> that was and really funny. Randy, CM Punk doing the Randy Orton um his signature taunt and then Randy Orton waving to him. I marked out for Rhea Ripley being on the side of the cage flipping off CM Punk. I marked out for Drew McIntyre storming off from the cage. Right after every, right before CM Punk even came out, Drew McIntyre stormed to the back, and we don't know why he's pissed off. We don't know what's taking place. I ate it all up. I marked well, we out for all of that. We do now know he was disappointed with the plan. I marked out for all of it. I also marked out huge for AEW that promo with Edge and Christian was outstanding. That was unbelievable. The way that Edge just he got his revenge, and he said. Go F yourself. And someone I, got fired last <laughs> night. I thought that this was incredible. Uh, what a promo. Chris, what about you? Do you, I, did you... I marked out for the ad, that Edge Christian thing. Best story going right now in professional wrestling. I marked out for MJF's promo, which was outstanding. Uh, but the most important thing that I marked out about this week was uh, a certain picture <laughs> that the one half of the WWE Tag Team Women's Champions posted uh, was the special guest with her uh, in Nashville at Monday Night Raw. I'm talking about the picture that blew up the internet, the fact that Chelsea Green took a picture with Dixie Carter. That's it. The Forbidden Door is completely open <laughs> now that Dixie Carter is in WWE territories. She also yeah. she did post pictures with Cody and Nick Aldis as well, which blew me away that it's Bruce Pritchard. But Bruce yeah, Pritchard was... apparently invited her there. So good. I you know she I knows think how that's... much of a gem she was in professional wrestling and all she yeah. did for it. You know, I thought that that was just really wild to see Dixie Carter backstage at a WWE event. Um, yeah, in the totally old home, agree. the old home of TNA. Yeah, but also, I mean, like we spoke before, I'll, I big time pop for for our truth return, and then uh, that's that one scene that I don't want to talk about from the Marvels. If you if you know, yeah. you know. But brilliant, yeah. So I guess those are the mark out moments of the week. Want to take us home? 
Yeah, sure. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're not, you're not going to watch this. Do you think Brandon's going to wear a lucha mask for two hours at a time? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Anyway, Facebook.com slash MarkingOut, Twitter.com slash MarkingOut, YouTube, and Instagram.com slash MarkingOut11. Uh, we're on TikTok at MarkingOut. You can email us, MarkingOut1 at gmail.com, and keep buying those shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Sweendog, Dave on Twitter at David DP. DP PT, DPT, and Brandon on every single sort of fringe social network at BTTG161. Until next week, we wish you the... Best of your future endeavors. Have a fan.